Well, hello everyone. It's your girl Gabrielle from A Step Ahead Tutoring Services. We are at a brand new episode of Hot Topics. So if you have been living under a rock, you have no idea what this web series is about. We are about things that are steamy, right? So things that are steamy in education, employment, psychology, social services, mental health, finance, psychology, all, all that good stuff. Uh, so we are a tutoring company, so we can't, you know, get too steamy, but, but we like to kind of stay within our purview and help me with that topic. And her name is Debbie Linden. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about Debbie Linden. Uh, let me get my banner here. So who is Debbie Linden? Let me tell you a little bit about her. So Debbie Linden is a retired special education teacher and a former preschool director who left when the pandemic hit to help care for her grandchild. She now runs her own business called Peaceful Vibes, which we'll talk about a little bit later. She is involved in helping her community and is also involved in activism. That is awesome. All right, so without further ado, I'm gonna bring her to the forefront. Hi, Debbie, how are you doing today? Fine, thank you. Awesome. Thank you. awesome. So you have a, a, a great story about, you know, life as a teacher and now you're retired. And so I, I want my viewers to, to know your history a little bit and we'll, we'll delve into that. So please, please, Go ahead and share. The floor is yours. <laughs> oh, thanks. My life as a teacher. Wow. It's um, it's very rewarding to be a teacher, but it's also very, very tough to be a teacher, even today. Um, not saying that I had it bad then compared to now. Uh, my kudos to all the teachers that are out there now, especially doing online and uh, the pandemic. My hat is off to you guys, really. Uh, I started teaching in 1989 in a uh, school district in New York, um, and it was in Yonkers, if I can say that. It was also during the time that Yonkers was going through desegregation, if you guys really want to be interested in that whole hot topic. Um, HBO did a whole series on it. Oh, gosh, let me remember the name because the Tina Turner song always comes to my head. Um, I think it's uh, Another Hero or Who Needs Another Hero, something to that effect. I, I don't know why I always get it confused with the Tina Turner song. But anyway, um, when I started teaching, it was uh, pretty tough. I taught special ed and uh, the kids were great. It was just... Um, this just everyday thing of what's going on. I guess a lot of teachers can also relate to what I'm going to say even today. Uh, again, pay was stinky, just like it is now. But also, we had a hard time even going back in the 80s, 90s, and I even into this time um, have problems with books. So we would always be asked to uh, put a hit list of what we wanted. And then come back with, hey, you got one teacher book, 
you, know, you got the student books, not the workbooks. You're going to have to make do with that. So even today, I know teachers can relate to this. It was really, really crazy. Um, we had to run off pages, which we're not supposed to do, but we did. Um, very creative. The um, Just the normal stuff of what was going on. Went through and taught there for like 17 years. And then I moved to central New York. And in central New York, it was a lot different than um, being in an inner city school. It's a, a rural area where I was, where I'm teaching, was teaching, I should say. And um, it was very, very eye-opening. The kids, the kids were kind of funny. They're great kids, don't get me wrong. Um, I had one student, I love telling this story. I had one student who came in and figured, okay, new teacher, we'll just start off. And he started dropping the F-bomb all over the place because I guess up here in the school, whatever is, if you gave off the F-bomb, you got thrown out of class. So he's doing F this, F that, a bit. And I just looked at him and said, you're done. And he was like, aren't you gonna throw me out? And I'm like, honey, not where I come from. This is normal words. Then he came back and he started throwing the desks. Okay. Kids left the room. My assistant took them out and look at them and I say, you done? And he say, yeah, aren't you going to throw me out? Again, I was like, nope, nope. Normal day from where I come from. And uh, he, uh, he stopped and we became really good buddies. Um, it, it was, it's very hard. It was very hard at that time. It was very hard now. Um, if you're not a teacher, I would say, please give us some props because it is hard. Um, had, and I'm going to give another scenario. We had uh, a friend who had a good friend of mine who was also a fellow teacher. She, um, she had a birthday party for her daughter. And there were a bunch of teachers, parents and whatever. And one parent sent her child to a private school and turned around and said, I don't understand teachers. They have it so easy and on and on and on and on. And she ended it with, I'm going to school to be a teacher. And I'm going to prove to everybody that this is really an easy deal. Okay. Some are left. I go into the school, principal calls me in and says, you're getting a student teacher. And kind of weird, but this girl asked for you. Turns out it was the parent at this party, my friend's party. She walks in. I tell my principal, hey, I'm giving you a heads up. This is what happened. So I take her in the classroom. And I tell my assistant, who was also a friend of mine, Remember the person I told you about? This is her. All right. She goes through the whole thing. I give her, um, she's watching the class. I'm teaching her. And then I give her a, a topic. I'll never forget the topic. It was science. It was uh, volcanoes. And props to her. She really did a good job. And when she got finished, and actually as I'm watching her through the six to eight weeks of her uh, student teaching, I'm looking at her. She's coming in exhausted. She's tired. 
she did this magnificent thing on the volcanoes and finally looked at me and said, you know, I have to apologize to you. This is really tough work. And I sent her, then she had to do elementary teaching. And I sent her to a friend of mine and she walked into her and she said, I'm so sorry. I'm certain Deb told you about me. I'm going to apologize for whatever I said before because uh, um, my, my hat's off to you guys. And the ending of the story is actually she became a reading teacher and she is a really good, good teacher, I have to say, and give her props. So that was one thing. Um, it's very, it's, it's also, I kind of advocate for teachers. I keep telling people it's, it's not an easy job. Um, I know here in New York, you need to have a, a master's degree, which to keep your job, I don't know what the other districts or other states do, but I know here in New York, you need a master's degree to keep your certification in teaching. And um, to get the pay is just, it, to have the pay go with whatever we have for our certification and our um, master's degree is pretty pitiful. But anyway, then I moved up here, getting back to my, my little story here. Then I moved up here and um, became as a teacher for seven years, great kids. Uh, like I said, the little boy, the boy that, uh, did all that stuff, became really good friends. I'd pass his house, wave to him or whatever. Um, and then it got uh, just like in other districts and a layoff started. And um, unfortunately last hired, first fired, and I got laid off. Uh, there were two other teachers that had to come back before me and we couldn't come back. One actually wound up taking a teaching job somewhere else and another teacher went into a different field. Um, so unfortunately, you know, I didn't go back. And when um, I tried to apply for other jobs because of the fact I had the many years of teaching behind me, they wouldn't pay me the, um, the salary that would go with my experience. So luckily, I was able in New York and the retirement tier that I was on um, was you could retire at 55 or 25 years of teaching. I came at 23 and a half years of teaching in New York. So when I turned 55, I took the retirement and then I got bored. So I went back uh, as a teacher assistant and helped out in, um, a school with uh, special education students. After a while, they moved to a, a the school moved its uh, to another school. It was a what they have up here is BOCES, Board of Cooperative Educational, um, BOC Board of Occupational Cooperative Educational Services. That's it, and um, they hire out different rooms and schools so you can go there and they moved our special ed division to a school that was over an hour and a half drive from me so I said I can't do that every day so I then left there and found a preschool job about 
five minutes from my house. So I started there as a teacher and then they needed a director and I stepped up to that. And that was, that was a lot of fun um, playing. It's like, as I got interviewed for a local school, uh, excuse me, a local paper, I basically looked at the reporter and said, I'm getting paid to having fun. I'm having a blast with these kids, teaching them their letters, their colors. It was great. And then the pandemic hit. So when I hit with the pandemic, um, my daughter uh, and me is an essential worker and uh, she needed someone to take care of uh, her child, my grandchild. So my grandchild came here and lived with uh, my partner and I during the pandemic so my daughter could go to work. So because of that, I and uh, left the preschool. But even though the pandemic's been rough on everybody, I, in a roundabout way, I've been studying um, holistic health and healing and a whole different avenue of, I started a, a business called Peaceful Vibes, which is a uh, sound healing business. So I've been trying to get that off the ground too, but still keeping an, an eye on different things. and. Um, doing some activism as like uh, the city where I live has a community fridge. So it's gets stocked 24 seven. So I help out by uh, putting food in there and helping people out and at local activist groups about different topics and such. But um, getting back to teaching, uh, even though I've been in since, like I said, 89 and I still kind of keep up with what's going on because my grandchild's in school and my partner's grandchildren are in school. It's, um, some things have changed and some things are still the same and it really needs um, an overhaul, if I could say that. So that's basically uh, my little thing, unless you wanna do some questions and answers. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Well, I do. There <laughs> you go. You definitely have uh you have a, a whole you lived on you lived an entire journey, it sounds like. So so tell me what got you into teaching in the first place. Why teach at all? Why teaching? Um wow. A lot of kids, a lot of people I know, um my friend's daughter, when she was five, was asked, you know, what, what do you want to do when you grow up? And she said, I want to be an island princess. Uh, for me, uh, at the age of nine, I wanted to be a teacher. So I, I mean, I was trying other things, um, but it was just, no matter what I did, it was like, no, I, I got to be a teacher. So that's how I got into it, just being since a kid, which was kind of funny because we had a, um, you know, schools celebrate Dr. Seuss Day. And uh, one day, uh, one of the administrators walked into the classroom to read Dr. Seuss book. And I don't even remember the, the Seuss book, but it was something about careers or something to that effect. Or they asked and they opened up the topic to the kids and I was teaching grades uh, three, four and five. And one of the kids asked him, like, how do you know you wanted to go as, as a teacher? And he said, oh, and he gave like, you know, I had four or five different ideas in my head. He goes, I don't think anybody's ever uh, 
had it since a child. And he looked and he went, right, Ms. Linden? And I said, ooh, sorry, no, I was nine. <laughs> I always wanted to be a teacher since nine. No, sorry. <laughs> So it's 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 a, a childhood passion. You you always had that passion for teaching, for helping kids. Yeah. Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, yeah. I have a younger sister who's nine years uh, apart. So I you know I used to sit with books and read to her or you know other things. So yeah, I, I guess it's been like in me since birth, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> of course, of course. So you originally started teaching in Yonkers, right? right? Yes. And then you moved upstate. Right. So can you talk about the difference in, in culture at the schools between Yonkers <laughs> and, and Central New York? Oh, <laughs> oh, um, oh, that's loaded. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, I can, I, I, I will compare the two classrooms. I can do it that way and not get myself into trouble. Um, and I mean, Yonkers, it has, is very diverse, which I love. I love it dearly. And I moved up here and it's not, um, not at all. So that was one thing. It, I went from diversity to it being, um, let's see, how can I put this nicely? Vanilla. <laughs> that would be one thing. Uh, another thing is in, um, Growing up now, I also have to put that I was born and raised and went to the schools in Yonkers. So um, looking at that, which was kind of funny because I worked with some of my teachers and walked up and went, hey, you used to be my social studies teacher. You know, it's kind of weird calling them by their first names after you had them. But um, we had like a smart board that the entire school shared. We had books, like I said, that. Um, you know, we had a hit list like of what we wanted and we had to make do. Whereas I walked up here, I went for one interview and the lady was all excited, like, oh, you come from Yonkers, it's a cutting edge school. And I'm like, yeah. And she walked me around in her classroom and every last classroom had a smart board. Now, I don't know what they go for now, but at that time, and I've been up here over 10 years, they were going to close to two grand a piece and every classroom had one and my mouth just dropped. Um, every classroom had four or five computers at that time. Um, I know that Yonkers has computers now. I know Yonkers has come a long way in books and everything. So I am not degrading Yonkers. I still am active in their union and everything. So please, if anybody's from Yonkers, I am not putting you down. Um, but I also see up here too, uh, I had gone to one conference, teacher conference up here, and I literally walked out of it because one teacher was saying, oh, this is all cutting edge. And I 
and I don't even remember what the style was. And I just looked up and said, honey, I've been doing this for the past 12 years. Not cutting edge to me, sorry. So um, I that was what I've noticed up here. Yeah, I always said that they should actually have a reality show where um, teachers within the state should move from one school to another, like people in central New York should go down to the inner city schools and vice versa and see exactly what the other end is. And um, to be quite honest, I mean, I would think that anybody who came up here would go, I died and went to heaven and the other teachers would be running out screaming in five minutes. I'm probably gonna get in trouble for that now. <laughs> well, no, but I mean, you're you're being honest. Like, you're, there's there's a difference between schools in the city and schools more in suburbia, upstate. So it's you're not putting down Yonkers schools. You're you're there is a disparity between the two areas of New York. So you're right. Right. And also, I also live near Utica. And one of the um, things that one of the activist groups I, I belong to is trying to get things done in their school district. And I would look and say, hey, I can help you out because your school district sounded like the district that I worked in. So I can help you get around things and help you ask for stuff. You know, so that's to me, I think I've been an asset to them because Utica is a city and um, and seeing that I see a lot of things that have happened 15, 20 years ago down in Yonkers and Westchester, which is where I grew up, to pair to up here where I, I myself am under the impression that it's just now people are now taking notice where it's been noticed about 10, 15 years ago. I feel like I'm an asset up here. And what is, what is it, what, what is it that you have that people see as an asset? <laughs> My attitude and big mouth, maybe for starters. Um, um, the fact that they, well, one of the things I noticed like, Ooh, I'm going back two years, maybe. Um, every school has a code of conduct. And um, they, people up here were having a problem with uh, the code of conduct that the school district up here put out and the wording. And I, they couldn't understand why it was worded in such a way. And I said to them, it's worded in such a way because it's been tested. Pardon the tongue. The tone here is like they call anybody that comes from Westchester, New York City, everything, they call it downstate from, from where I am now. So I would say to them, um, it's been tried and tested downstate and therefore the legalese of these terms are why they has to be this way, S which they didn't quite get until I explained it to them. That would be one thing. Right, so you you had a little bit more knowledge about the the rules and regulations and, and how things are presented right right and and um when they turn around they said well we want these things done or we would like to see things done and we don't know how to get or 
to it or they have some blowback, I would say, okay, um, been there, done that. Let me give you some suggestions, you know, and see how that goes. Of course, of course. So now you, so you were, you started off in general ed, right? And then you switched over to special ed? No, um, the certification that I have is, um, it fits, it's more broad than what it is than today's teachers. What I have for certification is um, special education. It's a broad view again, um, birth to age 21 and special education from nursery to grade six. Those are mine. Whereas now they break it down to other grades and other things, but yeah. Oh, so you're in special education this whole time. Right, except for the preschool. They actually, the preschool originally hired me as a teacher because um, the children, there were a couple of children there that um, had some behavior issues and they didn't really know how to deal with them. So from being in special ed and then coming up here to central New York, and um, one of the things I had to take while I was up here in special ed was crisis training. So uh, they hired me because of those skills and plus the fact that it was certified in elementary. Oh, okay. <laughs> so let's, let's talk about that a little bit. What, what was it, what's it like teaching in special education classrooms? You know, how do you think it would be different from a general education classroom? Oh, okay. Um, basically, even if you're, if, if a child is in special education, they still have to learn the exact same things that um, a regular ed child has to learn. I mean, we have to follow the same curriculums. We have the same books. We have um, this, like the common core now is what we have to do. And um, they have to follow that too. The difference is on how um, regular, I hate saying regular and special, it's just whatever, but label labels. Um, the regular ed classroom, they have to, they have a certain way of let's say two pages, four pages or something. Um, they just go straight through. Whereas a special ed, you say, okay, I'm gonna present it like the regular ed teachers do. But you, they have special education children, let me back up a little, special education children have something called an IEP, an Individualized Educational Program. So, and when um, you get a student that's in special ed, this IEP comes with them, which is basically um, a committee and the parents and the teacher would sit down and come up with a plan on how the student learns uh, goals that they should meet or whatever. Um, the, it could say little Johnny um, doesn't quite understand it if you stand up there and talk all the time. Um, he needs uh, manipulatives. So when you do uh, multiplication or something, we would come out with um, different things like what was one of the things we used? Oh, graham cracker bears. That's what we used to do. And we would put them and say, okay, take the graham cracker bears and make three groups of three. You know, whereas 
a regular ed teacher would probably go, okay, three times three and whatever, and move on. They, I mean, they would even do the, the graham cracker bears, but they move on. Whereas you may have to sit for maybe two weeks with Johnny going, okay, let's take the bears. Let's move them around. You can use the bears. It's fine. You know, things like that. Um, for me, when I taught, I had um, my own way of teaching. I mean, every teacher has their own way. Um, thankfully, Yonkers is, thankfully, um, our union and way of teaching down there was one size does not fit all. So, yes, we would follow the curriculum. We would follow everything. But your style of teaching was your own. Just so long you cover what it is and the kids have to do what they have to do. So what I would do is um, present it, whatever the, let's say two plus two, um, present it to the class, put out manipulatives, um, projects, find me two things and two things. Um, one of my favorite ones and the teacher and the principal loved it because she knew we would, on geometry at that point, was a um, scavenger hunt. And I would give them a sheet of uh, find me a right angle. So they would find like the door and they would write it down. Find me this thing, find me a, penta a pentagon, find me uh, a four-sided closed figure. And they would run around the floor of the school looking for them. So I did a lot of things that um, they would be project-wise for the kids. So they learned that to me is a little different than a uh, regular ed classroom. Okay, awesome, <laughs> awesome, awesome. All right, so let's jump ahead to retirement. <laughs> you know, you you obviously, you had some, you, since you were laid off, you had some trouble, um, you had some trouble looking for work, and then you yeah. decided, the opportunity came up, you decided to retire. Can you get into that a little bit more? <laughs> um. Sure, sure. Uh, one of the things about me is I will definitely speak the truth and let the fur fly. Uh, everybody who knows me in Yonkers, <laughs> go, yeah, that's Deb. Um, for anybody that worked at BFP or in, in BOCES, definitely would say the same thing. Um, yeah, I actually got my teaching job up here. Um, I taught in one district up here because the superintendent came from Queens. Um, so she hired me because I was from downstate. Um, then when I looked for another job, I got hired. Again, the supervisor there came from, I'm going to say Long Island, not 100% certain, but again, from the area that I uh, came from. And I got hired that way. When they had to um, lay off teachers and everything, then I actually went to one job where I handed the resume. And right in front of me, the two people looked and uh, pointed and went, oh, she's from Yonkers. Just humor her. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty rough. Um, I think also another time too, I had gone for one and they said, oh, so what was your salary? And downstate. And when I told them, they were kind of shocked at 
because obviously the um, cost of living down there is much more expensive than it is in central New York. So um, they looked at my salary and went, mm, no, we can't do that. And I'm like, look, I'm going to take a pay cut. So I took a hefty pay cut to um, teach. But again, like I said, the cost of living up here is different than downstate. I also got, um, as a thing too, about the retirement, was a lot of the teachers were pretty angry at me whenever the topic of, of uh, retirement came up and we were talking because they would say, oh, well, you know, you're retired because they would say, well, when I retire, I'm going to get X amount a month and I'm going to get X amount a month and I hope I can live on X amount a month. And then they would turn to me and just say, but you taught downstate. So obviously your retirement's a lot bigger than mine. And my answer would be like, well, I'm sorry that you didn't decide to branch out and try to get a job somewhere else. Sorry. So there was, so there was like a, a stereotype about teachers from downstate. <laughs> so, uh, a, a stereotype about people from downstate in general, but within the educational field. Yeah. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I worked with some great people, um, really nice people. We got along great. And then there were a few that be, that would actually literally not talk to me because of my my New York accent, because of uh, I come from downstate, because I would say, uh, gee, why are you doing this A, B, and C? The feds want you to do this this way, this way. Oh, the state actually wants you to do it this way, this way, this way. And my response to a couple of, from a couple of people um, that would be like, well, if that's the way you feel, then go back down. And I'm like, I just don't want to even try to get you in trouble because if the state decides to walk in here and check your records and check this, uh, you as a teacher could get nailed for doing A, B, and C. And they were like, they don't come here. They, they probably have to Google to find out where we go. <laughs> So yeah, it was very, it, it was, um, I, ha I had a lot of good experience with uh, some teachers up here and I also had a lot of um, not so good experiences. So would you ever recommend someone become a teacher? Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, I, I definitely would. I'll, I'm gonna put my recommendation out right now. Um, to become a teacher is you have to be really committed. Um, your hours are not, do not end when that school bell rings. Um, and actually my, my partner could know this, uh, been with my partner for 10 years and we've been living together for five of those 10 years. And he never really saw um, me during the week being a teacher teacher until I moved in here and then started working as the uh, preschool because the director also had a lot of work and such. And he'd be like, can you ever stop? And I'm like, hey, <laughs> welcome to being a teacher. But uh, it's very rewarding. It's um, a lot of work. Like I said, you don't take it, you don't, at three o'clock, you don't just close your books and leave. Um, it's a lot of prep work. A lot of work, if you are in special education, it's more demanding because you have to write those IEPs and, and reports and everything else. 
But when you see those kids walk in and you see smiles and you see the kids that, um, that don't, that just the growth, um, another anecdote story comes to mind. Um, I had gotten, a, like I said, I taught three, four and five and I had a fifth grader come in and the school that I taught in goes up to grade five and then they go to middle school. So they had a graduation. And we had a, excuse me, a student that came in who couldn't read, could not read. And, but yet for some reason, the IEP said they could and everything else. Okay. Um, this child somehow regressed to the point that they couldn't read. My assistant and I worked with the child. And at the end of, in June, when we did our, um, moving up ceremony for the kids, my principal, who was fantastic, um, had one student from each class give a little speech, and my class was also included in on it. This child asked to write, um, asked my assistant to, to write her, um, help her write her speech. And to be honest with you, it was not a dry eye in that place because her opening statement was, um, when I got to this school, um, I could not read. And Miss L and Miss M, that's what the kids called us, um, taught me how to read. And I am now standing here reading this to you. And when she got finished, and then she went on with the speech, obviously. And then when she got finished, I looked up because I didn't hear anybody clapping. And I was getting a little ticked, like, how dare you not clap? I mean, you know, this girl really worked. And all I saw were parents wiping their eyes because it was just absolutely beautiful. And if you can have um, children that can do that, to me, um, not enough money in the world could um, replace that for me or for any teacher. So if you were really dedicated, become a teacher. So despite the hours, despite the low pay, despite the lack of resources that you may have to put up for out of pocket, you still recommend people become a teacher? Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Um, your heart has to be there. It is something, it, it's not, you can't climb a corporate ladder, but um, I still have kids that track me down on Facebook 20 years later and say, hey, um, Hey, Miss L, I didn't even see you on Facebook. Hey, yeah, I just want you to know how we're doing. And, and it, it's great to see them. It really is. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So we are starting to wind down. So do you have any final advice for uh, the people watching? Um, actually, before we get to that, mm -hmm. you you decided to start your own business. So after the pandemic, no, you had to leave to take care of your family. So instead of being like a, a tutor or part-time teacher somewhere, you decided to, you're just going to start your own business and, and go into holistic healing. So it sounds like mm -hmm. you made a complete shift. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> can, you, can you talk about that a little bit? Oh, sure. Um, yeah, I, I've always been um, a proponent of uh, holistic things, of uh, whatever. Um, science is like one of my favorite things to do. 
And um, I just, what, the story is of how I got into this is a friend of ours, um, my partner and I asked about going to a sound healing session. And I heard about these for years, never been to one. Uh, I went with her and um, it was amazing. It really, it's an amazing experience. I had a pain in my back. I felt better afterwards and whatever. Two months later, she said, hey, there's another one we want to go. Brought my partner, his back was bothering him. He, after the whole sound healing session, he was like, wow, my back feels so much better. The person who gave the session, um, I started talking to him and he was like, hey, I'm going to do some classes. You want to sign up? And I did. Got totally involved um, actually uh, in, in a course that starts next week on sound healing. I did a sound healing. I was part of a, a wellness summit about two weeks ago uh, talking about sound healing. And uh, yeah, it, it's great because for me, uh, one of the perks of having my own business is if my uh, daughter needs help or something, I can like rearrange my schedule because the boss can do that. So, uh, so it, it's really, it, it's a lot of fun and I enjoy doing that too. So, so tell me about the pivot. Why did, why did you just get away from education entirely? Um, hmm. Well, I think, I think honestly, um, personally, um, from having kids go into crisis kind of wears me down after 24 years. Um, so I just basically was like, I can't emotionally or physically do this anymore. As much as I love being a teacher, um, I, I, I can't do this anymore. So I wanted to do something else. And in my mind, teaching is helping kids be better. So, um, by doing this, I'm kind of still like a teacher because I'm helping people relax, helping people um, deal with stress, helping people um, deal with pain management by the sound healing. So I guess I'm just kind of shifted from one mode of teaching to another. <laughs> right. You, you, you figured out you have more than one passion. I know you, <laughs> you talked earlier about being passionate passionate about <laughs> teaching at nine years old and then you 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 rode that wave and then you know curveball came and mm -hmm. boom you went in a completely different direction yeah definitely definitely but um yeah i mean to take one passion which was my teaching and now uh following another passion um i think it's good i i think you know like you said i just well yeah, rode the wave. And um, I mean, I'm still kind of in education because when my uh, grandchild was up here for the year, she had to log on and um, for her education. And uh, there were times when she got off and she's like, uh, Noni, I, I don't understand what the teacher's saying. I'm totally lost. So even though, you know, I'm kind of out of teaching, I sat with her. So it's more uh, like an ebb and flow type of thing, you know, like helping out and doing such. Of course, of course. 
All right, so now we get back to the advice. So now <laughs> we're now we're winding down. Okay, so okay. do you have any final words of advice for anyone watching right now? Anyone that wants to go into teaching or wants to get out of teaching or wants to retire or anything, any final words of advice that you'd like to give? Um, if you're a teacher right now, um, I, I would say just hang in there. I know it's a different curve. Your life just threw you a curveball with this pandemic and, um, you know, the online teaching. Um, I, you know, I, it's basically, as I would say to anybody and even the student teachers I had in the past is, you honestly don't know teaching until you, uh, till that door closes on you. And then, yeah, you're in alone in the classroom with like 15 to 20 kids. Um, just find your mode of teaching like I did, which was, you know, projects. So find your mode and um, it's okay to change. You know, it's, it's just go with the flow and just be you as a teacher and be supportive to the kids. Uh, those who, who want to go into teaching, definitely. In fact, I know... Um, we're friends. I have a, a friend who um, wants to go into teaching, and I am encouraging this person to do that. Um, do it if you can. Do the the school that does the five years, and you walk out with your bachelor's and your master's. You're done. Um, I think it's it's a great um, it's a great profession, even though it's it's tough and challenging. Um, I think it's a great profession, and if I had to do it all over again. Yeah, sign me up. I'll do. I'll be a teacher again. All right. Fabulous. Fabulous. All right. So I'm going to put up Debbie's contact information right now. So if you would like to learn more about Debbie's business, which is Holistic Healing, I believe. Her, right? Uh, sound Healing. Yeah. Sound, sound, sound healing. healing. Yeah. Yeah. Sound healing. So what is that all about? What, what is just briefly go into sound healing? Oh, sound healing. Sound healing is, um, been around for about over a thousand years. It's, um, just listening to different sounds and vibrations because, uh, best example I could give would be, uh, if you want to get done things done quickly, you kind of put on like some music that's very upbeat and get your body moving and you start pumping around or whatever. And um, so it's so different vibrations, different forms uh, affect your body. So with the sound healing, I use Tibetan bowls, I use gongs, I use uh, other things that on different uh, tones, different vibrations, different things that affect the cells and everything in your body to bring them into balance. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So if you are interested in learning more about those services, if you want to get those services for yourself, her contact information is scrolling at the bottom. So definitely visit her website online. You can also check her out on social media. She is on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And just to reiterate her website, her website is Peaceful Vibes dot vpweb.com so definitely check her out follow her on social media and definitely look 
to her services. So Debbie, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. So I'm going to put you backstage now. And it's just you and me, guys. All right. So I'm going to put up my information here. So if you would like to learn more about our services, a step ahead tutoring services, our contact information is scrolling below. We are on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, WhatsApp, and Eventbrite. So definitely give us a follow if you are interested in learning about our services, our workshops specifically, you can visit us online at www.astepaheadtutoringservices.com to learn more about the things that we have to offer. Please check out our other clips on our YouTube channel and don't forget to subscribe. You can also find us at Step Ahead Tutoring Services on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So please check those out. And one last thing before I close. So currently we are collecting donations to our crowdfunding campaign on ifundwomen.com. We have a unique link that is scrolling below. So the funds will be used to reach out to families nationwide. It'll be used to keep our staff employed, be able to do web series like this, get the word out like this, to provide free and low cost services, to do free and low cost workshops. We, the funds will be all money, will be going to a great cause. And I encourage you to donate as much as you can or as little as you can. You know, the, every, every dollar counts, every cent counts, and every little bit that you can give will go a long way. So please visit our crowdfunding campaign page at ifundwomen.com. Please visit our unique link below and donate, donate, donate. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you for being with me at this fantastic episode. I hope to see you at the next episode. So tuning in, signing off. Bye.